to Radio Pulpit 657 AM and Radio Cape Pulpit 729 AM with me, Mark Penrith and Peter Smith, your host. Who am I? You might well ask. I am the husband of one beautiful wife, Liesl, the father of Caitlin, Catherine and Thomas and a pastor at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. Peter, introduce yourself. Yes, so I am Peter. I'm the husband of a beautiful woman named Bridget and the father Isn't of Emma. Isn't it kind of Emma. cute we're calling all of our wives beautiful today? Well, yeah. <laughs> I hope mine's listening in. Liesl, you can comment <laughs> now on Facebook. Carry on, Peter. <laughs> and um, beautiful uh, three-year-old girl, Emma, and a, and a very soon-to-be-born baby boy around the corner. We're just waiting for him now. I, I mean, it's like super exciting. Are you allowed to reveal names? Yes. Like live on air? Because you have chosen possibly the coolest name of a kid <laughs> I have ever heard. Yeah, so we decided to to call our boy Shepherd. Ah, man, th- that is such a meaningful name. Uh, yeah, just uh, really beautiful. Love it. And, uh, of course, your sister, Pastor Jacques yes. Lowe, uh, with his ministry at yes. Pretoria North Baptist Church, a friend to Central Baptist Church, Pretoria, serving the capital city of... South Africa, uh, praise the Lord for this. But we do recognize that it's not just Pretorians that listen in to Radio Pulpit. We are listened in from folk all over our country, wherever you are listening in. Pofada, um, Polakwane, or Peter Maritzburg, it is good to have you with us this morning, or even further afield. If you're listening in from Europe, South America, a number of listeners uh, in those areas, it's great to have you with us. I do want to remind you that Table Talk is podcasted. Check out irono.fm or Apple Podcasts or even Google Podcasts to listen, subscribe, rate and review. Let me just say that Peter has been doing a great job chopping up the uh, table talks into the various different questions that are asked. And they are podcasts now as the questions and just dealing with the relevant sections on different days of the week, which makes it really, really easy uh, to climb into topics that you are interested in um, or to listen to much shorter sections of the program. So, Peter, thanks so much for that and for the team that's working with you. Really appreciate that. Um, We are a live listener engaged show which means your questions really matter (laughs) in fact our show doesn't work so well if you don't send in your bible q and a questions how can you join the conversation this morning well you can phone into the studio wussy is standing by to take your calls on the studio line 012-334-1322 should i repeat that so that you have time to write them write it down 012-334-1322 one three two two. You can also drop a comment on Facebook. We're presently live streaming to Radio Pulpit Radio Console's Facebook page. I'm about to share myself, so please, if you're listening on Facebook, share and uh, like the stream. Uh, I'm going to share to Pastor Mark Penrith as well as to Central Baptist Church Pretoria. I can see Peter is furiously typing next to me. I'm assuming. He's sharing to Pretoria North yes, Baptist am. Church's website as well as to his own um, Facebook page. Um, and then you can send in a voice note if you want to engage with us via WhatsApp or Telegram to 0826572729. Let me repeat that one time. Are there any Telegram listeners out there? Uh, we get quite a few WhatsApps, but I'm not aware of any Telegram. If you are a Telegrammer, <laughs> I would love to receive a Telegram. Um, the number is 
657-2729. If you're a twit, at 657 is our handle. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter. I've been engaging quite a lot more on Twitter, enjoying it. It seems to be a little bit more of an aggressive space, more kind of polemic, mm. more kind of like um, uh, almost apologetic in nature, people kind of putting very strong ideas out. Um, but but I've been enjoying a, a bit of banter on, on Twitter and I've enjoyed putting a bit of content on that space reminds me i posted the ninth question of the baptist catechism to central baptist church's facebook page and youtube channel and instagram this morning and i forgot to go to twitter so i'll go to twitter next and uh, make sure that we're rolling out in that space as well I've already mentioned him, but on the controls this morning, pressing all the buttons, answering all the calls is our co-labor in this ministry. Vussy, great to have you with us, bro. And this morning we are live on 657 AM, Radio Pulpit, 729 AM, Radio Cape Pulpit, Facebook, Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. We are on DSTV channel 882, OpenView channel 607, and we are live streaming on our website, www.radiopulpit.co.za. When I say that, I kind of like want to make it, I don't know, as a kid, uh, we used to watch a little bit of, was it WrestleMania or mm. WW, like WWW, <laughs> something like that. Wherever you are tuning in, welcome. It's good to be spending Friday morning with you. Guys, we do want you to engage, maybe just to ask a couple of engagement questions before we bring our first, um, I nearly said contestant, our first uh, <laughs> uh, conversation in this morning, who will be Michael Swain from our friends at 4SA. Um, just before I bring him in, let me just say that um, uh, we'd love to start the conversation this morning by questions like, how do you leave a church well and uh, engagement questions around how do you go about parenting? Um, <laughs> do you have any parenting tips or advice that you'd like to pass on uh, to listeners? Uh, we're going to engage on those two questions at least as the rest of your questions come in. At this stage, um, I'd like to bring Michael into the conversation. Michael is the executive director of 4SA. Uh, he studied law abroad, he's been successful in business and is a co-founder of the His People Every Nation Church Movement in South Africa. And as executive director of 4SA, I'd like to tell you what 4SA is. It's the Freedom of Religion South Africa, which is a legal advocacy, let me try that again, a legal advocacy organization working to protect and promote your constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. Michael, as always, it's good to have you uh, on the show with us this morning. Uh, it's great to be with you, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, always enjoy our conversation. Now, Michael, I, I think this might be the first time this year that we... Is this the first time that we're talking this year? We spoke to Daniela yes. last week. Yes. Well, yes, and, 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 and embarrassingly, I can't say Happy New Year because it's February. No, you can't say Happy New Year because it is February, <laughs> although I think many people took January off as, or, or January as like a test month. <laughs> 2023 actually only gets started in February. So, so maybe you can say Happy Almost New Year or Happy new year that has just gone past or something to that effect but it is great to chat to you michael really do enjoy the engagement with you um uh, on radio and thanks for joining us again for 2023 uh, this morning we're going to be talking around the topic of the anti-money laundering 
act. And so I, I'm hoping that you can guide us in this conversation. I, I remember us talking about it last year. I remember raising a couple of concerns, even myself, um, uh, for friends uh, that are in ministry. And uh, we spoke, I think, about onerous um, bureaucratic kind of red tape that could be added to churches. Uh, we spoke about the need um, for the Money Laundering Act, but how it might negatively impact churches. Um, please bring us an update on how things are going. Well, th- this was one of two bills uh, which were basically almost pushed upon South Africa to make sure that we are compliant with generally accepted anti-terrorism uh, laws internationally. And the problem was that South Africa was deemed to be deficient and we were going to be grey-listed for not having sufficient laws to prevent terrorism. And of course, that would have had very serious consequences on money flowing in and out of South Africa, particularly for charitable purposes. So these laws, unfortunately, were suddenly thrust in. They left it a bit late and last. And there was a brief but intense parliamentary process uh, before uh, President Sir Ramaphosa signed this bill into law on the 21st of December uh, last year. So this law is now in force and enforceable. So it, it, it is good news that we, I think, have escaped the grey listing. Obviously, that would have made life very difficult. But also, I think, good news that in the process, uh, because of 4SA's involvement, we were able to take some of the perhaps very severe uh, unintended consequences that were in the original draft of this bill, which I think, but for the fact that we were engaged in this process, would have passed into law and would have been definitely detrimental to the religious communities. Well, I mean, Michael, even that introduction opens up a couple of questions that I'm intrigued by. Um, I'm intrigued by what was in the original documentation that could have affected churches negatively. I'm intrigued by the kind of process that 4SA got involved with and uh, the interaction that you had uh, in this regard. And uh, what exactly can we be happy about in terms of the law as it's been presented to us now? Well, I think one of the things that's interesting always is that we live in a world that is basically governed by law. And very often laws are passed, they're formulated, but they don't actually take into account the implications of those laws. And it's often laws that are passed without proper consideration or perhaps proper input that subsequently turn around and bite you later. So one of the things that 4SA has done over now, we're in our 10th year, by the way, is we look very closely at every single piece of legislation, policy, regulation that comes out of parliament or out of any government department to see what are the implications of that for the faith community, because we will be bound by those implications unless we have the opportunity to understand them and to interact with them. And so in this particular uh, bill, one of the things that it basically proposed was that every Uh, church, every religious organization, even the smallest ones, would have mandatorily, compulsorily had to register with the Department of Social Development. And there were criminal sanctions if you didn't do so. And one of the things that we put forward was basically uh, a a submission and an amendment to this uh, bill to say that blanket mandatory registration and criminal sanctions was simply inappropriate. And the other thing that this bill would have done would have, would have made uh, an allowance for changes to be made by government to the constitutional founding documents 
of a religious organization. And of course, that again would have at least opened up the potential for state regulation of religion. So good news is that now this bill has been passed into law. Parliament did incorporate the most significant uh, of the proposals that we put forward. We were actually in those hearings. We were actually, uh, we made presentations in those hearings. And let's say the worst uh, possible risks of this law to the faith communities were effectively defanged. So uh, we, we, we're very happy that uh, we've achieved, I think, a very positive result for the faith communities. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, excellent, uh, Michael, and uh, great feedback regarding this. Um, uh, go, going forward, um, what do we need to watch, and uh, and and what is for uh, uh, what is on Foyse's radar? Well, the, let's say the implications of this money laundering act first is that until now, non-profit organisations' uh, registration with the, the DSS was completely voluntary. But now, if you fall into a certain category, you will have to register with them, even though you may be registered somewhere else. So the, the only um, non-profit organisations that are affected are those who make donations to individuals or organisations outside the Republic's borders. In other words, you know, typically for churches, that would be supporting missionaries or providing humanitarian or charitable or educational or cultural services outside of the Republic's borders. So it's just important to note that people will, uh, organizations, churches who have that type of activity will now need to register. And they're going to need to register, by the way, before the 31st of uh, March or before the first of april uh this year uh i mean that's uh that's fascinating and i think a number of churches that i know fall into that category so obviously there is going to be a lot of work in the religious space that needs to happen um how's the government going about publicizing this i mean i've other than listening to you right now i haven't heard about this at all well, again, this is often the, the difference between when a law is passed and how it actually is rolled out and enforced. Yeah. Um, the, the, there are going to be regulations that are being formulated and there's going to be an opportunity to speak into those regulations as well. Um, so we're kind of also waiting to see how this thing's going to uh, roll out. So they okay. really specified that. Um, but I mean, the, 30, the, the 31st of March, Michael is around the corner. <laughs> Um, I know. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I, just off the top of my head, as I think of just the Baptist churches in Pretoria, there's a number of Baptist churches that would have to register before the 31st of March, and no one's been notified of anything. Yes, well, look, the, 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 I think that is because, again, as I said, the, 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 from the real to the ideal, yeah. there's often quite a big <laughs> gap. Yeah, um, <laughs> sure. I mean, this, but, this uh, just boggles my mind <laughs> how this works and how and how people think that this might work. Um, I, I have no doubt that there that there will be some pastors listening to this. Um, we actually share uh, this particular podcast on the Baptist Northern Association's website. So it goes out to at least a hundred and. 80 pastors thereabouts and uh, I certainly will make the rest of the Baptist Union pastors aware of this through the mechanisms of the Baptist Union um, so Baptist churches will hear about this but where should I point them if they either need more information um, or want to make sure that they are compliant between now and the 31st of March Look, always the best place to go the easiest is going to be to our forsa.org.za website yes. uh, we, we have 
an article that you can look at there. If you can't find it, you can just search for anti-money laundering and I'm sure it will pop up. And it basically, the requirements for registration are set out in section 12 of the NPO Act. And we've published an article on our website uh, to provide a link for NPOs who may think that they need to register. And then you can actually go through and to the NPO register website Excellent. by clicking a link there. And we've also, by the way, got a, an informative uh, video interaction that uh, we put together to actually unpack some of this in a bit more detail than we can maybe do on the radio. So those people who think they might be affected, in other words, if you're supporting missionaries or you've got it, it overseas uh, operations that you support, humanitarian projects or what have you, charitable projects, then in all likelihood you will have to register. Yes. So by all means, take advantage of that and go check it, check out our website and you'll get more information and a link to give you what you need to do. So Michael, I've got to say that this conversation is so valuable and so helpful. I, I, I really appreciate the work that 4SA does. Um, just absolutely excellent. And I'm so grateful that you don't just lobby government, but you also um, come back to the church and make us aware of what's going on. So excellent work. Thank you so much to you and for your team. Um, and please, I hope that you guys have a wonderful 2023 and that uh, uh, many folk partner with you guys. Uh, and I can't commend your website enough. That's 4sa.org.za um, along with your Facebook channel as well as your YouTube channel. Those are place touch points where people can get more information about the rolling discussion between the church and the state. And I'd encourage people to go to them. Uh, Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. And I look forward to speaking next week. We're going to be chatting about developments in the hate speech bill. So that's going to be an interesting oh, conversation. Brother, you've like whetted my appetite. Now I just want to go straight to that as the next insert. <laughs> but we will leave it until <laughs> we'll leave it until next week. I'm sure the listeners will be keen to hear more about that. So thank you so much, Michael. Really appreciate your engagement. Uh, God bless. Thank you, Mark. Well, listeners, um, again, it's good to be with you. Uh, in this, the beginning of February, <laughs> can you believe sure. we're one month? I mean, seriously, Peter, we're one month down yeah, no. in 2023. The the days are long, but the years are flying. <laughs> the days are long, <laughs> but the years are flying. It's true. I mean, there's a there's a sense of relativity when it comes to time. Yeah, right? Einstein was onto something. <laughs> Einstein was onto something. Yeah, I mean, you've got the birth. You're waiting for the birth of a baby. I've mm. gone through the birth of two babies and the adoption of a son. And I know looking forward, time crawls. Yes. But as you look backwards over your life, I'm 47 now. Well, I mean, I'm turning 47. I'm like getting old. I feel like a teenager. <laughs> time is so fast as you look you backwards. Opa Mark. <laughs> Mark. Yeah, that's it. Thank you, <laughs> listeners. When you engage with the show, don't forget to prefix Mark with Opa. <laughs> I think no. you just created a meme or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Peter. That's just wonderful. Um, guys, you, you have been engaging with us as we've been speaking to Michael. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, always great to interact with you on a Friday morning. A number of folk have come in and uh, begun the engagement. Uh, do you want to say hello to Eric? Eric, great to be with you. Penny says, good morning, Mark, Peter, and Wussy. <laughs> Looking forward 
to today's program, Penny. Well done, and well done in picking up on the, the technical stuff. Maybe just to say that Radio Pulpit isn't just the voices that you hear. There is a large group of support staff and HR and administrative program managers and just a, an incredible team um, behind anything that you hear behind the microphones going on on a Friday. So shout out to all of my co-workers as well. Um, and then Penny also says a shout out to Jean and Neil from Vitbank FBC. That would be Faith Baptist Church in Vitbank. Um, Jean is a regular listener and so is Penny and so they're engaging on uh, on on Facebook, interacting <laughs> with one another. Uh, do you see uh, a message from uh, Caroline? Uh, thank you for that. Uh, we'll be uh, interacting with that a little bit later when I get a time to read it. Uh, Penny says, as you mentioned parenting, I've just read The Intentional Father by John Tyson for the second time. Wow, that must be a pretty good book. Have you read uh, no, The Intentional Father? I've never heard of it. Okay, no. but, but Penny, you go to a good church, another Pretoria church. So um, I attend Central Baptist Church. You attend Pretoria North Baptist Church. Think of a good church halfway in between us. Calvary. Calvary Baptist Church. Penny is a member at Calvary Baptist Church where Brian Fulyun is the pastor. And so, Penny, I'm guessing if you've had a book recommended to you by Brian that this would be a good book. Um, And she's read it for the second time. Who is a pastor and a dad. He's with the Gospel Coalition and so is reliable, although I'm obviously not a dad. (laughs) This is true, Penny. Both my sons are fathers and the advice that is presented in this book is godly, practical and very well put. If I could, I would give this book to every single dad I know. I would actually advertise every mom to read it as well. Penny, that is a sterling review. Um, haven't read the book myself, so can't uh, so can't give it a a, a five star myself. But uh, I certainly will take that on review. Um, as I'm looking through the comments so far, I see uh, Lefuno uh, says, "Excellent, you are the voice of the body of Christ." Uh, praise the Lord for that comment and the encouragement. Really do appreciate that. Um, uh, Carolyn says, uh, uh, redirecting my text regarding the question, how we are to parent our children the best way. I found this is that we bring our children up according to the laws of the Bible, as Yeshua says. And also, uh, we as parents are the pic- are to picture our children uh, become. Oh, sorry. We, we are the picture our children become. And so we are to be a replication of Yeshua to the children always. Uh, that's in good and tough ways. Uh, thanks. Nice day. Thank you for that, uh, Caroline. Um, you know, I, I'm reminded of the words of Paul, even as I, I, I read your comment, where he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, um, that Jesus is a model. Um, so now Jesus is a little bit different to us. He did some things that we cannot do, and he was what we cannot be in so many ways. And yet at the same time, whereas our first Adam, um, our father's 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 father fell into sin jesus christ the second adam came and lived to the perfection of the law obeying it in every way laying down his life as a sinless sacrifice that we might live but really models the christian faith and and trust in jesus christ as his father and an empowerment by the holy spirit and a righteous life um, in a way which certainly not should not just be admired, um, 
but should be sought. We are to be transformed from one degree of glory mm. into the next, that we might be conformed toward the image of Christ. I'm busy reading Romans chapter 8, so that's why I keep on referring to Romans chapter 8. Um, I'm like in verse 17 at the moment. But over, as I've come through the, verse, the first 17 verses, one of the points that the Apostle Paul is trying to impress is that we know that we are children of God and therefore have assurance, and we know it partly because of the way that our disposition toward God has changed and the way that our lives have changed. And the question that we ask is, into what has our lives changed? And the answer, well, is into the will and the way of God. And certainly Jesus Christ came to model both God's will and God's way to watching humanity. Yeah, thank you, Mark. That's <clears throat> that's beautifully put. Um, we, I love the scripture that you quote, follow me as I follow Christ. I think that should be the motto of uh, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, uh, teachers, pastors, uh, all of us. We, we have some sort of um, top-down influence on someone in our lives. Um, and and this, this week I also just heard a good quote. Uh, I think it might have been from Dr. Wayne Mack. Uh, I'm speaking under correction where he just said... Maybe just for context. Now we really are dropping the Pretoria churches uh, <laughs> this morning. So Wayne Mack is a godly man. Mm. I, I mean, I, I really I love him. I've interacted with him many times. I did a six-month intensive biblical counseling course with him um, right at the beginning of my own personal studies um, and was able to be with him on Wednesday evenings as well as Saturdays uh, during the days over a six-month period um, and at that time he was he was a relatively young older man still um, and uh, and and just like, uh, <laughs> like well he actually was a bit older than me but thanks for that Peter <laughs> um, but but he, he I just I just so appreciate being taught by him he's a prolific author mm. I mean like the guy has tuned out so many good books uh, that I've been exposed to particularly on the topic of biblical counseling yes. um, did he write Beat the Monday Blues Beat the Blues I'm not sure I think he did as well great book on depression um, a great author um, nuthetic counselor yes. and really the spearhead of what is called um, ACBC the yes. Accredited, certified <laughs> biblical counselors, something to that effect, yes. run out of Linwood Baptist Church, which is now the fourth Baptist Church <laughs> that we've name dropped <laughs> today in biased. the capital city of Pretoria. Pretoria is getting a little bit, uh, because later on in the show, we're going to be speaking to Jonathan Holt, aren't we? Um, Niku. Oh, Niku. Niku, Niku. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so we're going to be moving out of Pretoria. Yes. Okay. Yes. Praise the Lord. So it's not just a Pretoria <laughs> show today. No. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe just to say, Linwood Baptist Church has a counseling um, uh, kind of uh, focus as a church. I think it's fair to say that they have something of a focus. Um, and then connected to them is STMR, mm. uh, Strengthening. Um, Teaching Ministries yeah. International, yes, something, something to that effect, yes. uh, which is a biblical counseling uh, uh, organization for the training of biblical counselors, nathetic counselors uh, in South Africa. They've just kicked off a, a new counseling uh, a, a kind Course. of semester, yeah. and uh, to, at least two of our church members are there, Chido, uh, who's an intern uh, this year at Central Baptist Church, as well as Jabu, who is an associate wow. pastor. Um, and yeah, just 
praising the Lord for their faithful ministry. And uh, yeah, but you were talking yeah, about Dr. Wayne Mack. Yeah, so no, and also so just, back to Dr. Mack. Also just want to quickly mention on that. Uh, oh, shame actually. Maybe just to say this morning, I saw uh, Sabrin posted that their house, uh, Wayne Mack's house uh, or flat was flooded oh, yesterday in that massive downpour. Our, our house was actually flooded as well. I don't know if it affected you guys, no, Peter, really. or if you experienced it. We didn't there, really have a lot of rain. Well, there was a massive downpour on the east side of Johannesburg. Um, I've got a, I've got like gutter uh, in between my garage and my sure. boundary wall. And when leaves kind of trap up there, it then spills over into my garage and then from my garage into my study so my study was under like two inches of water sure. 20 minutes before our bible study started last night so frustrating so my kids and uh Liesl were mopping and um but apparently the same thing happened uh yeah. dr mac well and, yeah i'll uh, definitely be praying yeah. for him then yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a counted all joy when you meet you know trials of various kinds it's so. <laughs> very practical application of god's word thank you so much yeah. for that <laughs> and i, I think uh, i think um dr wayne Mack's son-in-law pastor sabrand he's, yes. he's currently pastoring the church full-time and leading the courses also just want to give him a shout out and the good work that they are doing at linwood baptist but back to where we started <laughs> i think it was pastor wayne Mack that said something to the effect that uh there's a tendency for boys to become like their fathers and there's a tendency for girls to marry men like their fathers okay um and that was just such a, a wake-up call for me as well to to see that the the effects i'm going to have on my children's life are, are far are more far-reaching than just maybe 18 years that i have with them uh, the, the during that period i have a big likelihood of setting a trend for the rest of their lives um, which just places a, a big responsibility on us. But I also, I, I, there's also some comfort in that for me, knowing yes. that these children are given me by God. Yes. And God has given them to me. And so God, by the Holy Spirit, will strengthen me to raise them up in the fear of the Lord in a, in a way that they should, by the grace of God, I, I pray that they will know Him one day and live lives to His glory. Um, rather i would rather prefer that responsibility than giving it to another man <laughs> you know yes. so there's is a responsibility but also there's a comfort in that so we we're talking about parenting right and we 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 kind of just engaging as we're talking i realized that we actually have a parenting seminar that's <laughs> going to be running at oh. central baptist church pretoria on the 18th of February, which is in a couple of weeks' time, uh, I'm fairly certain that's a Saturday. Yes, it is. And it'll be running from 10 o'clock until 12 o'clock. So from 10 a.m. till midday, um, it'll be at the Hill Campus. And uh, we have a speaker, uh, Tim Chester. So Tim Chester is, the, is a prolific author, 40 books or so. He writes for the Gospel Coalition. He writes for Desiring God. Um, uh, interacts on Banner of Truth. He's a Banner of Truth author, and uh, it is a um, registration required, but no payment required uh, seminar. And so, parenting seminar. If you are intrigued and you are interested in upping your game in the area of parenting, and you would like to hear a man who is very gifted um, in this area speak on the topic, uh, there will be a seminar, a parenting seminar happening at Central Baptist Church Pretoria uh, later on in the month. I will do everything that I can to figure out how to post that into the link 
on Facebook, um, but you can find that on Facebook yourself if you are um, if you are browsing. You can find the Central Baptist Church Pretoria Facebook page, and uh, I will try and make sure that that is pinned to the top of the page and available for people that they can click on it and check it out. Um, Hey, we, we were going to talk about a couple of things uh, today. We weren't just going to talk about parenting. We we're also going to talk about uh, how to leave a church well, <laughs> how to leave a church well. That is kind of a provocative statement. Mm. Um, it, it kind of also superintends that sometimes people have to leave churches, uh, that people can't always stay in churches. Uh, maybe just give us a little bit of context as to why you even put that question out there, Peter. Yeah, so I, I think... The the truth of the fact is that we all know people who leave people or who leave churches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people who leave people as well, but the people who leave churches, and it's become almost, I think, a trend in our Christian culture today that people do church hopping, yeah. or they might they might want to attend a church and then they find out something or something happens and then they leave, and often, more often, I think than it should be. Yes. The the process of leaving causes frustration, heartbreak, um, disruption in relationships. Yes. And even something our church has personally experienced, like a splits. Yes. Uh, where where people rapture the church, where they just rupture. Not it. Not, not rapture. Not rapture. We rupture. can talk about the rapture a little <laughs> bit later. But you, I think you meant rupture. Rupture the church. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. There you rupture. go. Uh, the church. They 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 just split it. So. I think when discussing this question, I think we, we can further break it down into three more questions or three questions actually that, that answer it or that helps us to answer it. Is The first question is, what is the church? Uh, because the, the, there's, when we talk about why you should leave a church or how you should leave a church, how it should be done, that's all built on top of the foundation of what is a church. And then secondly, why do we leave a church? And then thirdly, how do we leave a church? And so just to maybe start off the conversation on what is a church, the Bible gives us a a bunch of definitions, both explicit and implicit definitions in the New Testament of what is a church. Um, The church is mentioned as being the bride of Christ. The church is those who are by the grace of God, those who are saved by Christ, are in such an intimate relationship with Christ that they are the bride of Christ. Yes. Also, the church is a family. That's, That's why we call it brothers and sisters that's why it hurts so much when you leave a church so so i know people that have left churches for good reasons i know people that have left churches for bad reasons but you know that it was real when it hurts Mm. when you leave for whatever reasons you know it was family when 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 it when it stings um, when it aches on the other side and, and I think it's supposed to hurt right mm. because church is supposed to be important Th- yes. we're not playing games uh, this isn't a golf membership where you where you kind of move your member and oh, no, I'm not a golf player so I don't even know what the names of the golf clubs are but you know <laughs> you move your your golf membership from Pretoria Country Club to I don't know out the, the East Country Club or whatever it might be. That's not how church mm. works. When you leave a church, you, 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 in a sense, leave a family. Now, that doesn't detract from the fact that we are the family of God. There's yes. a universal church which contains all people from all ages who have put their faith and trust in God and from all places who have put their faith and trust in God. Uh, but in reality, a local church is a manifestation of that universal church. And so when you leave one church and you go to another, it hurts because it's supposed to hurt. 
Yeah, definitely. So, so we have the church as being the bride of Christ. We have the church as being the fam- a family and the family of Christ. Like we even called the brothers of Christ. Uh, and then the church, the, the church is a priesthood, showing that the church is important to God. It is the institution on earth. It is the only institution on earth which God saves people, places them in, and then commands and expects and gives us the privilege and the opportunity to worship Him as we grow more and more into the image of Christ. So there's there's a lot more that we can say on what is a church. In fact, big, big books have been written on this topic, but for the sake of time, we won't be able to dive too much into that. So I'm not sure if there's anything else you might want to add to this question, what is a church? Yeah, so um, as we th- as we think of the church, um, I guess the emphasis, whether we're thinking of building, whether we're thinking of family, whether we're thinking of flock, we need to acknowledge that all of those are collective nouns. Um, it's a flock of sheep. It's a building of bricks. It is a um, a body made up of many members. Um, it is a, um, a family made up of family members each one of these examples is is the idea of a collection we live in a world which is very individualistic we live in a in a world which which almost trains us to think about me myself and i in relation to what am i getting out of an organization or am i getting bang for my buck or um am i getting my needs my needs met but but if we if we remember that we are a flock and we're a sheep in a flock, even in the context of a local church, it helps us to realize that that leaving an organization, even a local church, does come at a cost, not only to ourselves in terms of the hurt and in terms of the ache, but also to the organization that we're leaving. And so, if that is true, we need to do so very, very carefully. Definitely. And and. I appreciate what you mentioned now about this concept of the collective because one thing that that is so important for all Christians to understand and and this you also mentioned this with our culture that has trained us to be individualistic is many Christians today have what we call a consumer mindset it's all about what I can get from the church what can I get? And the moment I stop getting what I like or I can get what I like better somewhere else, I'm going to move. There's this consumer mindset in contrast to being almost, if we can stick with the terminology, to yes. having a producer mindset in terms of I'm not there for what I can get. Now, yes, we do get things. We get spiritual nourishment. We, we get all those benefits. But also just as important if not maybe more for your own spiritual growth as well as the good of others so you are there to serve mm-hmm. you're there to love others for example in the new testament we have a ton of what we call one another commandments love one another be, be at peace with one another outdo one another in showing honor live in harmony with one another welcome one another as christ has welcomed you you know just all these one another com- commandments you can't fulfill these commandments solo. And these commandments are specifically given to the church first and foremost. We are definitely to practice those commandments to the world towards unbelievers. But those commandments were specifically written within the context of local churches. So how can you serve? How can you grow? How can you love? How can you be of service and benefit to others if you are not involved in a collection, a community? 
of believers to which you can pra practice those one another commandments. Um, anything you want to maybe add to that before we move on to the next question? Well, well, no, actually, I, I think I'm quite happy. I, I, I think we've covered this in, in detail. Mm. So wh where do we go from, from there? So I think the next obvious question that we should ask is, why why do we leave churches? Or sure. Why should you leave a church? Sure. Or why can you leave a church? Any one of those should be valid. Okay. And uh, I'm guessing, yeah, there will be both positive and negative reasons for leaving a church. So by negative, I mean like there's something wrong with the place that I'm going to. And positive, there's something right about the place that I'm going to, if that makes any sense. Well, what yeah. are some of the reasons, some of the valid reasons people might leave? So I think um, there should be, there's primarily two reasons why people can or should or want to leave a church. And I think the first reason is a matter of, of doctrine. Yes. And the second re reason is a matter of conscience. Okay. So doctrine in the I'm sense... I'm going to add a couple more. Please but, do. But, but you carry on. Yes. No. So <laughs> I'll, I'll quickly just say what I mean by doctrine and conscience is within doctrine, we, we can maybe split it up. We can say doctrinal uh, dis disagreement with fundamental basic Christian doctrines where a church teaches false doctrine. Doctrine that's antithetical to the Bible, contrary to the Bible. That's a dangerous place to be. Mm. And then we get doctrinal preferences. Yes. And that, that actually then flows into the second reason for conscience. For example, we recently had people leave our church on very good grounds. <clears throat> and what I mean by good grounds is that there was no conflict. There was no fight. There was something something that they disagreed with. We prayed together and we helped them to relocate to a church that more aligns with their convictions. And we still communicate and talk. And uh, that's a good relocation. They're happy. We're happy. The relationships are still maintained. And we think God has been glorified in this Transaction. Mm, mm. You said you wanted to add some other well, reasons. Well, I think we often do focus on the negative reasons for leaving a church. So doctrinal uh, shift in the church or a doctrinal shift in you and you just can't continue uh, in this church. Um, and I think that that's a valid reason to leave a church. Uh, and the, we could talk about the priority doctrines, which which would result in a person having to leave a church. But there are even secondary or tertiary doctrines that, that might cause a person to validly think to leave a church. Let me give you an example of a primary doctrine. Primary doctrine would be the gospel. The gospel is being subverted from the pulpit. Um, maybe moralistic teaching rather than a gospel of grace which results in fruit um, is being taught from the pulpit. But that would be a valid reason for leaving a church from a priority mm, doctrine. Definitely. Let me talk about a secondary doctrine. I, I would say uh, the doctrine of baptism, um, uh, uh, being pedo-baptism or credo-baptism, in, in other words, uh, baptizing infants or baptizing believers, that could be a valid reason for leaving a church. You come to convictions, you're in a, you're in a Baptist church, and you come to convictions that infants should be baptized, and you've got two little kids. Well, I think that would be a valid reason uh, to move to the good Presbyterian church down the road. Praise the Lord that they're there, if they're there. Um, but vice versa, you're in a Presbyterian mm. church, you want to, in good conscience, serve to the glory of God, um, but you come to a realization that you ought to be baptized. Well, most good Baptist churches would say, 
we baptize into church membership. We don't just baptize willy nilly anyone, mm. um, you know, and we don't baptize our Anglican friends down the road because they want to scratch a theological itch. Um, no, it's it's a it's a profession of faith, and mm. it happens within the context of community. Uh, and so uh, that would be a good possibly secondary issue uh, by the way there's also reasons why you might stay in a church even though you have secondary issues yes. with it um, so if you're a, let's say a pedo baptist you believe in infant baptism but you just can't find a good pedo baptist church which is which is spot on on the priorities well then stay in the church that you're at and mm. worship and fellowship and serve to whatever degree you can to god's glory go in peace um uh, and then, and then, secondary, like even beyond secondary issues, tertiary issues, um, philosophies of ministry. Um, maybe you have a particular philosophy of ministry about evangelism and how evangelism can, should be done, but it will not be done in the church that you're that you're in. It might be for for good reason that you then find a church that you can attach yourself where you can serve wholeheartedly, unrestrained. You are right in terms of matters of conscience. Um, uh, I, I think it's very important to think through those um, and uh, and to be very prayerful and transparent, even with your present leadership around ma- matters of con- uh, conscience. There's other positive reasons that you might leave a church, uh, geographic mm-hmm. um, reasons. Um, I, I came to faith. I was uh, I was living in um, uh, uh, Midrand. I, I came to faith, uh, but. My wife and I very soon after coming to faith uh, got married and we bought we had already purchased a house in Sunning Hill and so we moved to Sunning Hill. Well, as Sunning Hill grew and as that midstream area developed, the traffic toward Midrand got harder and harder to traverse. Mm, I think there would have been a just cause to kind of look around at the churches around us uh, and choose a church which was easier to access um, in terms of travel, distance, more access to Bible studies uh, at that point. It doesn't make sense if you're living in Kempton Park to attend a church in Midrand in in Midrand, um, it, it's too long. It's too long a drive on a Sunday, and you're going to have no Bible studies where you're at. It's going to be onerous to be involved in the actual community. Now, the resolution for Liesel and I at the time was to sell our house in Sunning Hill and to buy a house in Midrand, and we moved closer to the church in order to stay there. But but we did do due consideration in terms of was that the appropriate move uh, at the time? Mm, yeah. So. Also, I just quickly want to, you know, put a small disclaimer. So a phrase that's been repeated a lot in this conversation is the phrase, leave church, (laughs) leave a church. So what we're not saying is we're not saying that you should just leave a church and that's the end of the story. That more specifically, when we say that phrase, we mean relocate to a different church. And we did mention it a few times, but just want to hammer on that again, as well as also just want to say, don't go looking for reasons to leave your church. Sure. A lot of people, and when I was a young Christian, I was very guilty of this. I loved new things. Yes. So it's always fun going after a new experience. It might be fun, but like one writer said, we shouldn't be dating the church. We should be <laughs> married to yes, it. We yes. should, Because, again, it's not about me. It's yes. about Christ and about his people that I have the privilege and opportunity of serving. Positive reason to live, to leave geography. Let me yeah, give you another definitely. Po- let me give you another positive reason. Life stage. Mm. Um, if you are a young adult and you have a fast desire to 
be married. It's right to turn to the Lord in prayer and pray, Lord God, would you bring my future spouse into my way, in whichever way God might be doing that. But one of the ways that God might do that is by engaging and interacting with a church where there are a number of potential spouses in the room. Um, sometimes uh, we do um, people a disservice by basically chaining them to a church where they aren't going to find <laughs> spouses of marriageable ages um, uh, that they can engage with. I, I think life stage is a legitimate thing to think about. Uh, and that doesn't just talk to people in their 20s that are looking for a husband and wife. That talks to older people too. Um, if you're in a church which has an emphasis on younger people, maybe it's located very close to a university and it is hip and happening and people are <laughs> jumping and there is energy levels through the roof and you're the old, only older person in the room. <laughs> the reality is Christian um, uh, friendship is important and even the, um, uh, the, the opportunities to interact with might be a valid reason. It also might not be a valid mm-hmm. reason for, for leaving. Just like the person who's looking for a spouse, it might be God's will that they find their spouse elsewhere. Um, but also the person who's looking for friendship, which is age related, mm-hmm. it might be God's will that you get to apply Titus to older men teach the younger men, older women teach the younger women. And, and so it's not a law. That if everyone around you isn't exactly the same yes. as you, it's time to leave. It might be a ministry opportunity, definitely, but it also might be um, a, a factor in leaving for godly reasons. And mm. um, I think something like that is something that you should probably work through your pastor with. Definitely, um, yeah, yeah. It would be foolish and unwise to just go about this on your own. There's yeah. wisdom in many counselors, especially your pastor. Um, so definitely, I think what you've said now yes. is so important. And also, just like you said, a lot of this is, is to, has to do with conscience, things you must think through and pray through and mm. talk through with other people. Because if you are an older person in a younger church, maybe you're there to have that that mentoring role. Yes. You know, and, and maybe that's the case. Um, there's there's also dangers in being in a group where all of you are in the same phase of life. For example, many years ago, our life groups at Pretoria North were uh, positioned like that. We would have a student life group and a young adults life group yes. and an older than 30 life group and an elders life group. And w- one thing we realized is everyone goes through the same phases of life at the exact same time. So, for example, when there's exams for the students, no one comes because everyone has exams. And then in another group, everyone goes through the exact same phase of life and everyone comes to life group. Everyone's down, like depressed, you know, <laughs> where when we started now rearranging this and, and mixing it and all those type of things, focusing more on geography, we have a good mixture of from very young to very old in our life groups. You know, when when one of the students is going for exam, there's older people to encourage them. And when someone had a loss in the family, there's yes. other people to be with them yes. and strengthen them. And so that's, that's why we see that variety. That's why we need that variety in the mm. church as well. Now, from a, from a positive reason to stay, you mentioned this reality that we are members of a body we are there to serve we, we to be connected to our local church in order to serve but sometimes one church will have areas to serve in that another church won't and a person will be particularly gifted even called to serve in a particular area whether that be uh, teaching children whether that be bible study whether that be missions whether that be uh, a, a particular 
um, engagement as far as worship is concerned, um, it, it might be that you desire to serve in a specific way. You feel a heavy call of God on your life to serve mm. in that area. And you aren't going to be afforded the opportunity to serve at one particular church in that area. That might be an opportunity to look at what other God-honoring, glorifying churches there are where you can serve wholeheartedly. It might be a matter of you gifted with generosity and you want to give to a particular type of of ministry. Maybe that be. I mean, we've spoken about two churches this morning that have an emphasis on biblical counseling. We've spoken about a church... Um, uh, this morning that has an emphasis on student ministry. We've spoken about a church this morning that has an emphasis on missions, or maybe we haven't spoken about a particular church that has an emphasis on missions. I was, I was speaking to another Pretoria pastor um, uh, uh, this week, um, uh, a, a church down the road from us actually, uh, Vatikloof Baptist, a w- wonderful church where a very large percentage of their budget is given to, to missions and to mission work. Like, praise the Lord for mm. that. M- maybe in your call to be generous you would like to be attached to a church with a specific ministry where you can exercise your gift of generosity and um these are but i think what i'm saying is there there are negative reasons to leave a church and that would be teaching um that would be matters of conscience and then there are positive reasons Mm. to leave a church um but it requires a degree of strategy and it decri- we're going to get to how to leave mm. a church I'm sure after the break but it requires a, a degree of, of really heartfelt strategic thinking as you're thinking about your relationship to the local church and God's glory no definitely Mark guys I'm looking at the time it's two minutes past ten can you believe that we are an hour down in our show this morning sure. we're going to hit the second hour of the show after a song break and so uh, please do stay with us right now we are going to listen to the seventh time down sing I Still Believe Friends, it's good to be with you for the second hour of the show this morning. You're listening to Table Talk with Peter and Mark as we engage in your Bible questions and answers (coughs) excuse me for the first hour of the show, uh, we listened, uh, we spoke about how to leave a church well. But we actually started off with the why to leave a church. We started off with typical reasons to leave, uh, the why, um, and that would be negative reasons, uh, particularly around doctrine, shifts in doctrine and shifts in conscience. And then we moved on to a number of positive reasons to leave a church, um, opportunities for service, um, life stage geographic areas that you live there is one other point that i'd like to make before we move on peter and it is this we we are responsible for our own spiritual vitality um and fathers certainly are responsible for their households mothers who are heads of homes are responsible for their children we're responsible for the vitality of our home even as pastors are responsible for our vitality if we're in a church where in reality we are not being edified we are not being equipped for life we are not being spurred on uh, to good works um, where in actual fact it is just not happening um, it is a reason that we should consider leaving a church now 
again, just like with all the other positive reasons to leave a church. I, I think there's a couple of caveats and uh, and there's a lot of wisdom that needs to be put in place. It might be that that church is going through a lull and part of God's intended plan of re- reviving uh, that particular work is you. And mm. so this is a consideration that those who are mature in Christ need to make, even as they're thinking through this. Um, it, it might be, uh, though, that uh, there would be benefit to yourself and to your family to go to a church where in actual fact you are being edified, you are being equipped, and you are able to serve. Um, just a further consideration in terms of positive reasons to leave a church, although I guess that would be a negative reason. That would be a further negative reason yeah. to leave, leave a church. So we've we've been talking about the why one might leave a church, but but now let's talk a little bit about the how. Let's say, for the right reasons, given given godly reasons for leaving, uh, how should you go about that process, Peter? So I'm I'm always mindful of what Pastor Jewel James from Grace Fellowship said. He said that's another Pretoria church. We like one. dropping them all today. It's not on purpose. <laughs> and maybe, maybe we should just say like. Amundsen-Toti Baptist. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, well, there's, there's a good pastor down there. Um, but, but Joel James is a, another church on the east side of Pretoria. Um, great ministry, again, through the Grace School of Ministry mm. um, in both biblical counseling but also in expository preaching. A great preaching clinic that Joel runs uh, out that side of the world. Definitely. Anyway, sorry, no, you, no. You, you were saying, brother. So Joel mentioned something like, when you leave a church, leave like a mouse and not like a lion. Rawr. Yeah. And what he <laughs> means by that is um, don't Actually, go... Actually, we must get Vussi to do our special effects. Yeah, I did the rawr, the roar there. But but I think Vussi needs to have a whole lot of special effects <laughs> preloaded, ready to go. Lion of the tribe of Judah is just one of the obvious ones. You've always got to be ready to roar like a lion, Vussi. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what, he, what he means by that, leaving like a mouse instead of a lion, is when when you decide to, to leave a church for different churches, don't go destroying people or relationships. Yes. I've experienced firsthand where someone had a conviction that, and, and in my opinion, it was an unwarranted conviction. It wasn't fair. Yes. They had a conviction that the church was a false church based on certain belief systems, which they tended to disagree with. But what ended up happening is in their zeal, in their desire to firstly see if they can change things in the church and then ultimately leave the church, they destroyed relationships they had with people. Some relationships up until the day that has never been restored. Come now, Peter, in reality, that's why we're having this conversation, right? Mm. Because we do. We see this happening over and over again. Mm. We see people, A, leaving for poor reasons, even though we gave a number of reasons that I think are valid reasons um, uh, that need to be considered and weighed very carefully as one goes about it. But in general, when people leave, they leave with... Um, they. they it hurts to leave, even if you leave for good reasons, it hurts to leave. Mm. And uh, particularly when you leave for poor reasons, mm. uh, that hurt you often take out on whoever mm. else is in the room. And you know what's the dangerous thing about about the specific situation I'm talking about? Is they left for poor reasons, but they were convinced it was good reasons. And so the the lesson that I took out of it was that I should just be careful in my zeal 
mm. not to destroy relationships because and a lot of the people who joined in that in this specific example that I'm thinking of now who joined in this splitting this causing of division this living like a lion mm. most of them almost all of them except for two eventually came back and repented realized that you know it it wasn't what they did wasn't right although at that moment they were 100% convinced they were doing the right thing and so for me it's a, it's an issue of let's be zero, let's be let's be humble yes. let's not be arrogant let's be respectful and just practically I, I want people to practically think about this how can you reach out to people who want nothing to do with you okay. if you're convinced someone else is wrong about something whether it be other Christians in your church or other churches you cannot engage with them if they want nothing to do with you. So you need to, to, to try and build those relationships. You need to try and build those friendships because if you really are concerned, if you really think they are wrong, you want to be able to establish a line of communication. But if you live like a lion, you devour people, you destroy relationships, that bridge is burnt. Very often it's burnt forever that I've experienced. And by the grace of God, yes, it can be rebuilt. But I don't often see that happen in, in what I've observed from different people in different churches. Yeah, so true. So true. And um, and in reality, um, uh, when when we leave a church poorly, badly, um, it, has a, it leaves a lasting legacy uh, in reality. It damages the... Um, it damages the testimony of Christ, um, both for the church but also for many individuals that are involved. So, what do you do? Where do you start? I guess the the right answer would be you start in prayer. Yes, definitely. You, it's something that you must take to God in prayer. And if there are still concerns you have, the f- the the most important thing to do is to go and speak with your eldership, the mm. leaders of the church, because if you go and start expressing your your discontent or your concerns with other people in the church you're going to start forming a clique so just this week it might have been last week i'm just trying to remember the exact context of the conversation i heard a testimony of a person who went to their leader uh, they didn't have a plurality of elders they had a a, a very strong pastoral strongman leader uh, and said look we're, we're we've been praying about it and we're thinking of leading the church and the guy said if you leave this local body you leave Christ sure my answer would be to that person run yeah run as fast as you can get out of the room get out of the building find a God honoring local church where there are a plurality of shepherds who treat the sheep with love and care yeah. and gentleness. Um, that kind of spiritual bullying uh, yes. tactics has no place within a local church. That goes contrary to what Peter wrote in First Peter 5. Do not lord it over the sheep. We're not to <laughs> dominate them. We're to shepherd the flock, yes. to, to lead yeah. Now, in reality, it's not the first time that I've heard that kind of testimony from a particular type of church, which is out there, um, of this idea that if you leave us, you're leaving Jesus. And if you leave us and go to that church over there, um, you're going to, oh, no, just, sure. just, just a horrible way of dealing with people that are already hurting and are already confused and trying to think through things. Um, but my, my counsel would be, if you ever find yourself in that situation, to run as fast as you can. 
you are not in front of a shepherd you are in front of a wolf they will bite you and devour you you don't need that in your spiritual life what what, what else ought we to be thinking about um uh, in terms of that process of leaving a church yeah so just to quickly recap be we need to not be devouring people we need to be humble we need to maintain relationships and we need to go through the right channels yes. meaning you if you move from one church to another it is important that the leadership of both churches know what's going on. Yes. If they are good churches, or at least if the church you're leaving to, if you're going to, that you're going towards is a good church, yes. they're going to try and follow up where you came from and why did you leave? Because they still have to protect their the flock that they have. And so that's just, you try and establish the, the connection, um, give, be transparent, give the information to the leadership of the church that you're leaving Yes. Give the information to the leadership of the church that you're going to. And maybe just to say, from a pastoral perspective, uh, as I've investigated reasons why people have left churches, often there is, uh, or not often, but, but there have been times where there has been lots of water that's been under the bridge and complicated uh, reasons for leaving or complicated reasons for arriving at our church door. Pastors understand that. You, you, you know, a good pastor understands relational and entanglement um uh, the the fact that uh, that sometimes things are complicated um and is willing to think through and work through that with you um don't be ashamed to um to allow your pastor to shepherd you even as you come into a church uh, if you've left a church and there has been uh, some difficulty on the way out um uh, allow a good pastor to love you through that process Definitely. And the last thing that I'd just like from my side to, to contribute to this is when you have left and you have joined the, the church that you are convinced that God wants you to be at, commit. Mm. Commit. Don't be placing one foot in both churches. Uh, don't be, you know, test, just commit. Go serve the people. Love the people. Get to know the people. Submit to the leadership of the church. Commit to it then. Mm. And and maybe just also practically in your speech when you talk about previous churches it would do well particularly if you left the church for for good reasons mm. um i'm not talking about those negative reasons bad theology but for good reasons to dwell upon what that church did well um it might have not have been a perfect fit for you but it is a local church a manifestation of Christ's bride and so dwell upon what that church did well lift them up even in speech um, and uh, and pray that God would be glorified in and through them even into the future I think those are those are great questions really a uh, great question really appreciate working through it together with mm, you no, thank you Mark a couple, couple of comments on the, on WhatsApp uh, as we've been talking that are worth uh, at least uh, engaging with um, the first is um, just a, a clarification uh, morning Mark please would you give us the details for the biblical counseling course I have a BA in Christian counseling but don't have any counseling experience thank you for always being obedient to the Lord bless you and so the website for the organization that we were speaking about which is strengthening ministries training institution is smtr and um, you'd be well served um to go and check out the website i have put the stmi.co.za uh, website into the show notes you'd be well served to go and check out um stmi because of this not only do they do content not only do they do 
um, practical content, but they also, um, as part of the accreditation process towards being an accredited biblical counselor, an aesthetic counselor, what they do is they demand a certain amount of hours in in-person counseling so first observing somebody else counseling uh, and then on the other side of that counseling with somebody observing you um, and so the huge advantage of that uh, is that you get practical experience um, in counseling the second thing that I'd advise is um, probably the best way if you are um, if you are passionate about biblical counseling and you've got um, a heart for biblical counseling is make yourself available in the local church mm. where you presently serve. Make yourself available for counseling. Make yourself, uh, I mean, there are so many opportunities that local churches have for counseling at all kinds of level. Make yourself available for that. That should be the first place where you get potential and opportunities to serve if you're in a church where there is no biblical counseling happening um, and there are no opportunities for biblical counseling um, that might be an indication possibly even possibly that the church is telling you that they don't think that you're either equipped uh, or qualified to counsel yourself or alternatively that the church doesn't value counseling um, and that might be uh, you know refer to the first half of the show <laughs> the show in that case uh, and give some thought uh, to that Teresa asks us a question I'd like us to engage a little bit on it um, he says how should we respond? Well, he first says, Greetings, Opa Mark. Thanks for that, Peter. Um, Peter and everyone <laughs> Thank else. You, that's, <laughs> that's you, Wissy. Uh, trust you all great. And then he says, How should we respond when pastors claim to be Sangormas, stating that God is the one who gave them the gifts and that they should use them for good? Uh, and he says, thanks in advance. Great question, Teresa. I think maybe we should start off with a definition. Um, what, is, what does Teresa mean by even the word Sangoma? What is a Sangoma? So my understanding from it, based on good friends that, that come from, that deal with this in, in more rural communities, is a Sangoma is, is, is a witch doctor, someone who, who dabbles or claims to be able to engage with, in, with and in the supernatural yes. in order to draw or produce a certain outcome on behalf of someone else for obviously a certain price or something like that. So that, that's how one friend of mine ex explained it to me. Okay, and I, I think that would uh, that would equate to my understanding uh, of what a sangoma is. Um, uh, I mean, a, a definition would include a a person who's got some respect within the context of the community. Uh, sangoma is a, a Zulu word, I'm fairly sure. So um, we'd be speaking about a particular tribe in South Africa, but all the tribes would have other words which equate to it, and it would be a person who diagnoses, prescribes, and often performs rituals and that's where the problem comes in and I'll speak to that right now to heal a person physically mentally emotionally spiritually or whatever it might be this is not a traditional healer so mm. traditional healers there are other words for what would be a traditional healer a person who uses purely medicinal uh, herbs <laughs> I was gonna say herbs and spices but then it sounds <laughs> like a, uh, that, that, that's a different conversation for a different day maybe you and I later and um, but but a person who who uses herbs or traditional med medicine um, in order to go about healing uh, in reality 
no qualification or issue with that. Um, but, but the Sangoma moves across into ancestral traditional religion using rituals and spiritual practices mm. in order to engage in whatever healing they're trying to affect. And just quickly uh, to, to put, have an interjection, again, I, I want to say this is not a uniquely South African or African thing. Yes. Like in all cultures around the world, you have the equivalent of this, whether yes. they be called shamans yes. in North America or some druids, druids in, in Europe. England, yeah. yeah I mean, so. like, like really, I think that's an important, that's an important statement to make, that yes. there are those who... Um, who practice um, the art of healing, but from a spiritual perspective mm. across cultures, uh, across races, and even across time um, on in every area. Definitely. And, and the reason I always just make that interjection when we, when we speak about something within the South African or African context, like ancestral worships or, or worshipping or sangomas, is I want to be careful that people think we're not bashing on Africa. Again, this, these things are found in all cultures around the world and it's something that we've always addressed in all cultures around the world and just to like that I think it's the first conversation you and I had on the radio show last year is the, the, it's the simple fact that the Christian faith is the oldest recorded religion on the continent of Africa it carries more weight it's got more historical um, legacy and advocacy than any other belief system on the continent. It's been. It was in Africa before Christianity was in Africa even before we went to Europe. Yes. Um, so so just to make that caveat because I always I'm always preparing myself for someone saying yeah but you know you're not you're you're trying to to remove a heritage or something. Not at all. That's definitely not the intention. Okay, th- that's helpful. Now now the Bible has a lot to say about those who use spiritualism or rituals in order to perform healing. In other words, uh, not a doctor or a person who's using uh, traditional medicine um, in order to perform healing, but somebody who's actually using um, uh, either spiritual mediums, uh, engaging with a spiritual force, um, or alternatively using rituals as a mechanism to achieve an outcome. I, I think of the the Jews as they came into the Promised Land. One of the one of the laws that Moses clearly stipulated before them can be found in Deuteronomy 18. And in verse 9, we read that when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of the these nations in other words detestable to the Lord uh, this would be um, absolutely um, uh, uh, the God would despise this uh, there shall not be found among you any who burns his son or daughters as an offering now that would be a ritual sacrifice so rituals anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens uh, that would be kind of like water divination we read about that the Egyptians did it uh, mm. Joseph put a divination cup uh, in one of his brother's sacks you can read about that in the book of Genesis this idea of looking into water and divining uh, the future or divining um, wisdom in terms of decision making there were many ways that this was done um, within the context of the land of Canaan to where the Jews were going Uh, anyone who tells fortunes or interprets omens this would be people who look to the stars um, look at cancer and and Pisces I think it is and uh, Mm -hmm. and various other stars and 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 
tries to tell the future either using numbers, uh, birth dates, uh, star signs, or all these other practices, or a sorcerer, um, or a charmer, or a medium. A medium is a person who calls on spirits, um, mm. or a necromancer, a person who engages and interacts with the dead, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. The Lord will not stand for these things. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So when it comes to things like ritual and when it comes to things like spirits and spiritualism um, and divining spirits and engaging uh, with the dead or engaging with um, uh, with in the spiritual realm God says to his people the Jews as they come into the promised land of Canaan listen here the people of this area are doing this don't get involved in it. Don't blend this into what you do. And don't adopt this for yourself. Definitely. Thank you, Mark. That's very helpful. Also, just maybe maybe on, on the way the question was asked, if you don't mind me just going back to, mm. to it, where someone claims mm. that they have received this from God and that they are to practice it. You know, the, They claim that God has appointed them a, a Christian Sangoma and given them these gifts to exercise. That's that's basically then a question of authority. Yes. Well, we know what the Bible says because you just read scripture to us. Well, how God feels about these, the way the pagans engage with spirituality and manipulating the supernatural, and God doesn't want us to bring it in. <clears throat> but now some guy comes and says, "Yeah, well, God told me. He says that I'm allowed to do this. It's a, it's a matter of authority. Who are you going to believe?" The guy who just claims it because he can say anything yes. <laughs> it doesn't really matter then what he says yes. or God God's word what does how does God feel about this and and God's word is clear uh, and and in reality God's word is not just clear but God's word is forceful on this issue the penalty for practicing witchcraft under the mosaic law was death uh, you can mm. read about that in Exodus 22 Leviticus 20 yeah. Um, First Chronicles verse 10 uh, tells us that Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. That was the witch of Endor. Um, she brought up what yeah. was purported to be the prophet Samuel, although the Bible isn't clear as to whether that was Samuel or not. Um, the reality, though, is in the biblical account. We are told that Saul died for that infringement of God's law. God said, don't get involved in, in, in dealing with the dead. Uh, don't get involved in witchcraft of any sort. Saul sinned, fell short of God's glory, and God wiped him out for it. Yeah, uh, um, a passage that I always go to when I, when I think about this, because a lot of people have become creative in merging the Christian faith with these sorts of elements, especially in the day and age that we live in. And I'm sure there's many names that will come to mind, and we're not going to mention them. But a passage that that comes to that comes to mind when thinking about how the syncretism of you know pagan witchcraft elements with the with the true faith is Jude verse eight. Yes. Um, where where Jude writes, he says, "Yet uh, he's speaking about false teachers. Yet in like manner, these people, false teachers, also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh." reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones verse 9 but when michael the ark when the archangel michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of moses he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment but said the lord rebuke you 
but these people blaspheme all that they do not understand and they are de- they are destroyed by all that they like unreasoning animals understand instinctively what's so profound about that passage to me is where Judas rebuking a group of false teachers that they claim to dream dreams they claim to be able to pronounce judgments and in the context it seems to me that they even pro- they profess that they can pronounce judgments on demons because that's the illustration that he uses not even Michael the archangel blasphemed Satan yes. he simply said the Lord will rebuke you the Lord's going to be the one who rebukes you mm-hmm. and then Jude says but these people they think they they rely on their dreams they go and blaspheme things they do not understand pronounce judgments uh, and he, he says they reject authority. What authority? The authority of the faith. And and it is helpful to go to the New Testament to say that this conversation is not just an Old Testament mosaic law conversation. Mm. Uh, we see this playing out in the New Testament in a number of places. I think of another descriptive text, Acts chapter 19. We've got the sons of Sceva. Yes. Um, there the Lord was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So this is a time of the miraculous. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick. Now we're not told that, that uh, um, uh, and and their, dis- their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Uh, I mean, uh, this is a time of extraordinary miracles. Mm. Uh, this is just, uh, we're not told that this is God's normal way of healing people. It's very evident um, by the time we get to Acts chapter 19 that God's anointing on Paul is extraordinary and just amazing things are happening. Well, some of the Jewish itinerant exorcists um, Decide they undertake to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Um, so we've got this picture of Jews. They have not placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, but they think maybe there's something magic in the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a conversation that I was having with a Bible study uh, in Arcadia on uh, actually last night, um, as oh, the night before last, on Wednesday evening, uh, as we were talking about the name of Jesus. And just the name of Jesus isn't a magic charm that you get to append at mm. the end of any prayer, thinking that, you know, God's a genie in a lamp and he's yes. now going to give you what you want. You've said the magic word, Jesus. Um, but, but but no, they, they append, they invoke the name of Jesus. Even that word invoke has kind of like magical connotations about them. Um, over those who had evil spirits saying, I abjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims Um, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this but the evil spirit answered them Jesus I know and Paul I recognize but who are you and the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them mastered all of them and overpowered them so they fled out of the house naked and wounded and this, I mean, it sounds kind of funny the first time you read it, but it sounds kind of scary as you mm. read it over and over again that this demonic influence in this man overpowers these seven sons um, and 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 injures them terribly. It must have been an absolutely terrifying scene, not a funny scene at all. Even though it kind of reads funny the first time that you read it, as these guys run out of the house naked, and this became known to all the res- residents of Ephesus both Jews and Greek and fear fell upon them all the fear here uh, is phobos it's uh, it can carry with it the idea of awe fell upon them all most likely yeah the fear is actually mm-hmm. just phobos phobia fear falls upon all of them and the name of the lord was extolled so instead of the name of the lord being used as a magic charm at the end of an incantation incantation and um, to 
exercise uh, demons, all of a sudden the name of Jesus Christ is lifted up and extolled. That, that's a worshipful word. Hmm. Also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices and the number of those who had practiced magic arts bought their books together and burned them in the sight of all and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily I'm going to be I'm going to be preaching this text next week oh, um, I've, been, I've been preaching through these like exciting Lucian um, footnotes um, The word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily As you go through uh, the book of Acts um, But in this particular text What we read is Those who are saved They bring their magic books Even though it was at great cost to themselves And they burn them They walk away from magic And they embrace Jesus Christ But not Jesus Christ as a genie in a lamp An incantational word which you can append to the end of a prayer And get what they want No, they begin Mm. to worship Jesus Extol him And magnify his glorious name Thank you, Mark. Uh, as you were speaking, something that something came to my mind of how Christians are often guilty of using the Bible or uh, the name of our Lord in an incantatory way. For example, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, I don't see it a lot anymore. But I remember there was a time when it was big, where you would go to someone's house, and it sometimes it would literally just be a piece of paper printed out, s- stick to the front door that says. This house is protected by Psalm 90. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, as seen if, on, I've seen it on like bumpers, bumper stickers. Mm, Psalm 92, I think. Yeah, eh? yeah I yeah. think it's Psalm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, Psalm 91. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, almost as if as if it's a ritual spell that you place over your property, and then I'm thinking to myself, don't they know this is exactly what witches do? And now they've taken the practice of of witchcraft or or that some gomas do, and they've just appropriated. It to a Christian context Christianized it Yes So so the, the technical word here would be syncre- Synchronism right? Synchronism Syncretism yes. um, and, and obviously we know that That English word uh, synch- Synchronize uh, It's the idea of two things Or more things um, Going in concert with one another Moving mm. together uh, Synchronized swimming Is something that You, know, you might have a synchronized watch mm. uh, uh, It's the idea of moving together It's the idea that you can blend in the Old Testament, Judaism, with the philosophies of Canaan, or in the New Testament, that the Ephesians might be able to blend the Christian faith, uh, Jesus Christ, together with their Jewish practices. You cannot blend Jesus with anything. He is exclusive. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Uh, It's Jesus alone, (laughs) Um, both for salvation but also for life and for practice. You can't add anything to him. If you add anything to him, you end up with something other than him. That's the danger of a pastor, Teresa, um, coming and saying that he's going to do a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of ritual or a little bit of divination, a little bit of, of medium practice, a little bit of spiritualism. It's the idea of blending Jesus together with anything. And that would be an abomination within the context uh, of God's word. 
we have a Zoom meeting and uh, and uh, that's going to be coming up shortly as we get to chat to our friend Nico uh, van der Valt, who I, I think is uh, standing by and uh, very much looking forward to talking to. Can't believe it's 2211. The time really did fly. That is absolutely crazy. Um, but as we get uh, Zoom up and uh, as we make a provision to bring him on air, uh, let me just say thank you to Riesel for the question. We really do appreciate it. Love engaging and interacting with you. Thanks for all your questions, listeners, uh, this morning. It was great to interact with you. Um, anything to close with there, Peter? So I think just maybe in, in, in transition that our focus should be Christ alone. Christ, Christ alone. alone. You don't need Jesus and incantations, Jesus and spells. doesn't matter how Christianized they might appear. Jesus is our sufficient Savior and our Lord. Well, thank you so much for that. I said Nico van der Valt, but I meant to say Nico van Sale. I apologize, uh, Nico. And I think uh, Tapelo might be there with you as well. Um, are you brothers on the line? Oh, well, yeah, you come. We're going to give you a little bit of time to uh, to connect your audio. I think you're there now. Uh, Nico and uh, Tapelo, great to have you guys with us. Uh, we've got an audio issue. Uh, I think you're on mute at the moment. <laughs> uh, okay, while you figure that out, um, there you go. Can you hear us now? Praise the Lord. You are with us. It's great to have you in the room. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yes. I'm I'm sorry about that. We we, we got to chatting and uh and 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 didn't keep one eye on the clock and the clock ran away with us. But but so glad to have you uh with us on the show this morning. Yeah. Maybe just to say, guys, uh, that are listening in, this is a live interview, and um, uh, each week we are desiring to engage and interact with uh, with churches uh, all over South Africa, uh, and to, and ask a series of questions, just in terms of church health, just in terms of where they're at, um, just in terms of how things are going, and get input um, from churches all over South Africa. And so uh, this week we are joined from our brothers at Birchley Baptist Church. It's great to have them with us, uh, Nico and. Pelo, um yeah, thanks for being with us this morning. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much, brother. Well, maybe uh, take some time to introduce your local church. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about Birchley. Well, let me start. Uh, yeah, Birchley was planted in 2005 and uh, by uh, Constantine Park Baptist Church in Brackenest, and Pastor Eric Stegels was the first pastor there. He he passed away in 2020 uh, during COVID, uh, not because of COVID, but because of other uh, things. And so, uh, I've been uh, with Birchley since 2013 and uh, been a part of the eldership since 2017. Uh, so, yeah, we're at uh, this church in Kenton Park, and uh, yeah, we're uh, 689 confessions are. Confession of our church that we adhere to, and uh, yeah, we're situated in the park virtually. Uh, so yeah, that's where we are. Well, there's a couple of tag words, Nico, that I'm going to ask you to just flesh out a little bit there. You said Reformed Baptist, and you said confessional, you said 1689. That might not mean a lot 
to many um, listeners. We've been talking to the to the listeners over the last uh, since the beginning of this year, particularly about uh, the Baptist Catechism of 1677, uh, Keech's Catechism, because we've been promoting that um, a bit. But but maybe you can just uh, tell the listeners what what is a Reformed Baptist Church and and what is a confession. Well, yeah, so Reformed Baptist Church um, is a is a church that um, believe in the doctrines of Christ first of all, uh, and uh, yeah, so we we um, there's a rich tradition in the Reform you know Reformed theology uh, started with uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin in the 16th century, but they were not Baptists. They were pedo-Baptists. They baptized infants. So reformed, but, but not reformed really, enough. Semper reformata <laughs> est. Uh, the church reformed is no, always sorry. reforming. <laughs> that's right. So, so I mean, yeah, so we're in that tradition where we, we're not Catholic, Roman Catholics. Uh, we believe the Bible is the is the uh, authority that we live by, what we should believe, how we should practice our faith. It's a final authority. It is inerrant. We believe the Bible is inerrant. It's fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we, as part of the Reformation, the five solas. So we believe we are saved by the grace of God alone, through Christ alone, through faith alone. The scriptures are abs- the, the authority that we that we uh, cling on to in, in our church. And then we do all things to the glory of God alone. So, but now the Baptist yeah. churches went a bit further because we believe that the initial reformers didn't understand baptism right. So then you have John Bunyan coming up and other That's other the guys. That's the writer of Pilgrim's 16th, Progress. Yeah, in the 16th century that we went a bit further. And so the 1689 confession was drafted, which is basically the same as the Westminster. Uh, Confession and the other Reformed confessions, but it just baptism is different. We are understanding of baptism. We believe in believers' baptism, and uh, oh, so that's basically. We also covenantal uh, as a 1689 confession. That means we believe that we should understand the scriptures through the lens. Our hermeneutical lens is the covenants, and that means we're in relationship with God, and that always happens through grace. And we, we view the whole of Scripture through that lens, we can that's, say. That's really, really helpful, Nico. And I think even as listeners are are listening in, they will have heard much of what you've said over time on the show. So I imagine it resonates. Um, when you said Birchley, maybe just put Birchley in the context of the city that it's in so that people know geographically where you're speaking about. And, and then and then tell me, what is a Sunday service at Birchley Baptist look like? What does it feel like? Um, yeah, what, what, what do you guys kind of look like midweek? Yeah, so uh, Birchley is like a small suburb within uh, the town or city of Kempton Park, uh, which is in the city of uh, Ekuruleni. Uh, so we are on the east. Uh, we basically next door to the airport. Uh, we are close to a large township called Tembisa mm. uh, and places like Edenvale as well. So we are sort of like... Uh, in the in the mix of all of those things, the airport, Tembisa, Edenvale, uh, so uh, just one of the suburbs in in Kempton Park, and it's a richly mixed suburb. Uh, so uh, we have varying uh, people coming to our 
church. Uh, it was uh, historically an Afrikaans-speaking area, but many English-speaking and uh, Black South Africans have moved into the area. So it gives us a nice mix in terms of the people that come to our church. And and typically, that's that's what you'll see on a Sunday uh, morning. Uh, our church is, is mixed. Uh, we have uh, uh, white and black people coming in and Indian as well. Um, and as, as would happen in what we would uh, term biblical churches, what would happen is that there would be uh, singing, uh, reading of the scriptures, a lot of praying. Uh, and of course, the main focal point of our gathering would be the preaching of the word of God. Mm. Uh, so that would happen on a Sunday morning. And also uh, our church in particular, we have adult Bible classes in the morning uh, before the main service as well as Sunday Come school. Come now, what do you guys uh, do in adult Bible class? Well, no, we, 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 do, we basically, we've done the 699 confession. We do different things. We do series on the church. Or now we're going to do a new series. It's on church history. Yeah. So we're going to do Brilliant. Uh, century by century. Uh, at, for, for at the, central, the, at right the, in between, we do also uh, overviews of Bible books. I love that, Nico. At Central Baptist Church, we're currently in our adult Bible class doing a series on church history at the Hill, and it's been very, very well received. I think they did the Crusades last week. Um, wow. So it's like wow. super fascinating wow. stuff, you know, I mean, like really, really interesting from early church fathers um, all the way through. Yeah, so Tsopelu, what are you guys preaching on uh, in Sundays? What what book of the Bible are you preaching through and why? Can you give us some feedback or information on that? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, we, 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 we try to have a, a healthy uh, diet on the scriptures. Uh, so our church practices expository preaching where we go through individual books of the Bible. Uh, so Nico and I, as the two elders, we would te- technically tend to have uh, two books of the Bible that we're preaching through concurrently. Uh, Nico has just finished preaching through Ephesians. Uh, I'm, I've been and uh, currently going through Romans. I'm, I'm in chapter, finishing chapter seven soon. Uh, so that's what we normally do. We go through books of the Bible, uh, and and we 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 try to have a, a mix between uh, the Old and the New Testament. Yes. Uh, it just so happens at this moment we are both <laughs> in the New Testament, uh, but we we tend to try to have a, a a full scope of the Bible, so we don't stick to the just the New Testament. We try uh, preach through the Old Testament as well, uh, and I, I, you know, I felt that. Personally, I felt Nico will tell you why he's been preaching through Ephesians, and uh, and also I think he's going to Matthew. Uh, but I I've been going through Romans uh, because I felt like it was a rich uh, book in terms of uh, strengthening the understanding of what the gospel is and, and its implications for life, and and also how God has worked through the gospel to give us the grace of salvation. Uh, so I think I felt it was necessary to just strengthen our resolve and convictions in related to those things. And Nico will say why. Well, well guys, even, ju- even before you do, Nico, um, you guys are very active on social media, whether it be Facebook, uh, Twitter. I mean, I, I know many of my friends that ended up at uh, Birchley Baptist Church, they connected via kind of Twitter engagement with one another. And um, yeah, may- maybe just also say something uh, a little bit about your approach to social media as it relates to the propagation of of Baptist faith, belief, practice, and your sermons. Where can people find your guys' sermons? 
Yeah, so uh, yeah, we've been trying to get uh, you know more active on social media. So we have a Facebook page, uh, Birchley Baptist Church. You can find us on Facebook. Also, we have a, uh, a website. We put our sermons there as Birchley Baptist dot church, right? Birchley Baptist dot church. So we are our sermons can be. Um, you know, uh, access there. And then also we have a YouTube channel. We're not active at the moment on YouTube, but okay. soon we'll... We're trying to get that going. Yeah, yeah trying to get that going. Um, but yeah, we, I, I'm, I've, I've been doing many different series on, you know, short gospel videos on different topics. We also put that on social media. Try to do some ads, you know, with just to try and get people, you know, know that we are, are on the map because... Our chest is kind of hidden, and we don't have a big, you know, uh, post or whatever, uh, board or anything like that. So, social media is a way just to to, to tell people we are here. Mm-hmm. You can yes. come, mm-hmm. you can come. So, so we do a few ads, short gospel videos uh, on Facebook. Uh, we intend to do that more this year again. Uh, so, uh, many people that come to our church have have, have found, uh, us, on found us on on, on the net in that way. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, the reasons why you're preaching through the book you're preaching, Nika? Yeah. So uh, I finished, uh, I started in Matthew 2019, going very slowly through Matthew. And I love Matthew. And actually, the fact I started Matthew because of the Reformation, Ulrich Swingley started expository preaching in 1519. He was the first reformer that started that. Yes. Expositionally with Matthew. So I was, and then, like, 20. 2019 was 500 years off, so I decided let's, let's start with Matthew as well. And uh, so I started with Matthew, and I always loved Matthew. I love uh, the book of Matthew because it's, it's written to a Jewish audience, uh, primarily, although it's uh, relevant to all generations, the church throughout all ages. But proving that Jesus is the Messiah, yeah. and you get the fulfillment of prophecies over and over again, this happened to fulfill this prophecy. And the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, and the king has come. Those themes run through Matthew. So I'm, I'm, I'm going back to Matthew this year. And uh, I'm in chapter 14 now. So hopefully this next section is actually on the community of the kingdoms, on the church. From chapter 14 to chapter 18. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, Joshua last year I did Ephesians. Uh, I'm, I'm on my last sermon next next Sunday, following Sunday. Uh, really been great to go to Ephesians again. Same almost with 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 Topello. Ephesians makes the gospel so clear and the implications and uh, what God has done, what Christ has done for us, and then how we should live. So yes. it's been a really practical group. Really been, so really, um, you know, so Niku, yeah. very shortly. Uh, how would you say God is working in your community, both your your local church and the community around your local church? Where do you see God working? What is what is happening? Um, it's a difficult question to answer, but uh, I mean, uh, we we see how God is working through the members that come to our church, or the people that come to our church, and how they understand Scripture. Um, you know. South Africa, we have many churches. We have churches all over the place. Uh, we try to have different outreaches in the community. We have a feeding scheme on a Saturday. Mm. We invite people to come and have a meal with us. Mm. And uh, then we have a short gospel presentation. Many of those who come 
come to our services as well. And so we've seen people coming in and, and just understanding scripture better. A few members uh, were added last year. So we see things in our community. And then also we do some other outreaches in our community. But we actually want to be involved in the school. We're trying to get a foothold there in the school, virtually um, uh, high school and primary school. But we've not been successful, but we're going to try hard again this year. Mm. Uh, that, that, that's our community. But, you know, the other thing that Tapila and I are involved in is African Pastors Conferences. We are both, basically both of us tech makers. So we yes. are uh, fully involved in APC, which has a great reach all over the continent where we do about 55 conferences uh, across Africa. We Actually, we are going to have one in Kenton Park in May. And a few in Gauteng actually in May. Hey, so, so, uh, so here's the thing. I, I watch what you guys do on APC online. I think it's a great work. I'd love to get you guys into studio um, one week so that we can actually devote a whole show um, to the work of APC and to what you're seeing happening in and through APC. I'm looking at the clock and I'm realizing we are seriously running out of time. Got it? Just a few minutes, maybe Tapelo. You can you can give us an indication as to what, why should a listener who's living near you guys, maybe in Birchley, maybe in Kempton Park, why should they consider coming and visiting you? Yeah, I think, wow, man, that's an excellent question. I think they should come uh, to Birchley uh, to experience uh, the love of God uh, uh, from the people there who have been changed and transformed from the go- by the gospel, to hear God's love in the gospel as it's been preached every Sunday, uh, how they can be reconciled and forgiven for their sins, uh, to find a community of like-minded believers where they can grow in their knowledge of God, have support, have care, have love. Uh, so there are wonderful reasons to come to Kirsty, uh a place where I think the people are keen to know you, to love you, and to grow with you as well but most importantly so that you can experience the love of God through the gospel and uh, and that's why I think people should come to our church <laughs> hey guys oh, well, I, lo- I love both of you um, thank you so much for the ministry that you're doing in the area of Kempton Park and for the way that you uh, so boldly stand for Jesus Christ and for the gospel and I do trust that God continues to bless both of you and the people that you serve and that he is glorified in and through you Thanks. Thank, uh, you Thank you so much for this opportunity and all the best Thank and everything. You. Every all blessing, bud. Well, listeners, you've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, Mark and Peter, and we're going to be going to news shortly. And so until next week, Friday, walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously. God bless.